We good? All right. Walk-in music for only for daylight savings time. Good morning. Let's all get out of our systems. Ready? Isn't it weird? Like when somebody yawns, you can't help but yawn with them. That was fake, but now I watched all y'all do that, and now I can't help myself but to want to yawn. I'm gonna try to stop doing that. Teachers specifically, I just saw you like coming in on, on barely a breath this morning, but happy spring break. Happy daylight savings time. And it's daylight, sa- daylight saving time, not savings time, I was just told. Yes, yes, yes. What happens is that this is a morning where there's a lot of excuses not to come to church. And I'm just so pleased you decided to join us. And for those online, thank you also for joining us. My name's Pastor Scott. And we are in between sermon series, in between sermon series. We just wrapped up Fortune Cookie Wisdom. Next week, we'll be getting into the Atonement sermon series on figuring out how and why Jesus saves us. But for now, we need to have a little fun, kind of to stretch our brains out on this day, because I don't know what time it is. I just know I'm always hungry on these days, because I feel like I've missed a meal somehow in the losing of an hour. So with that in mind, let's play a little game. We're going to do Family Feud, friends, okay? And this family feud is going to be a little personal on me. We have eight things on the board, eight things, things that Pastor Scott likes. Now, not on the board is, of course, anything Jesus-y because you know that's my vocation and also my family. I like them, but they're not going to be on the board, okay? So those two are out. Those two are out. If you're online, you can play as well. Because of the delay, I know the in-person are going to beat you to this. You do have three strikes, church, okay? Three strikes. You know what those look like. Can we put an X on the board just for fun? There it is, okay, that's the X. Now, three, (laughs) there it is. There's the sound effect for you too. There's eight things that I like. The first one to shout out, the first one I can hear legibly, that's your guess, so be careful on how you play this, okay? Eight things that Pastor Scott likes, go. Do I, do, let's see, Husker Sports. Hey! Yes, that's kind of sad. You know me so well, okay? That's number one. That's one of, one of eight. Let's go for the next one. Music, 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 music. Jazz. Jazz? Billy Joel. Hey, wives, wives can't play back there, okay? Okay, okay. You know, that's kind of creepy. You do know me really well. I do love some Billy Joel. Unfortunately, that was not in the top ones because that's part of my job, so that is a... There it is. All right, that's one strike. Next. Board games. Board games. games. Very good. Board games. Board games, I'm looking. Let's see. Board games, I'm going to put in with... I'm sorry. It didn't make it on the top ones. That's another X. Let's see. Board games, no, it's an X. All right, so I got two strikes. Got one right. Kayaking. I heard kayaking. Kayaking. Let's see... Outdoor sports? Yay! Outdoor sports, that includes frolf. Some of you call it frisbee golf. I call it frolf, okay? Frolf. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch on. It's going to be a new thing starting here right now. Not frisbee golf, frolf, F-R-O-L-F, okay? I've trademarked it too now. Next thing, food, food. Let's see all the food. There it is. I've had some uh, interesting foods in my life. We can go through those, but that's another sermon, okay? Let's think. Let's... 
Caffeine. Let's see caffeine. All the coffee, all the caffeine. I am a monster. I can just digest it and never have an issue except... What? Children. Children are off. I, that was an exception. I do love my children. But, but other people's children, no. I'm just kidding. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, no, no. You're on a streak. I don't want to ruin it. Dogs? Animals. Show me animals. Oh. All right. We're going to say these out loud all together, just like in the show. Here we go. There's the whole list. Nebraska sports, woodworking, outdoor sports, comedies, gardening, yard work, eating food, all the food, coffee and other caffeine, and the beach. However, you guys did a great job. Round of applause for playing Family Feud. I do seriously want to be a game show host, but this does apply to the sermon, okay? This does apply to the sermon. What we did is we're creating a persona, and corporations do this all the time. It's like when you're scrolling through Facebook or anything on the internet, and all of a sudden you look, you say, oh my gosh, how does the ad know that I like fill in the blank? Fill in the blank. It's because they target and they want to figure out what makes you tick. They want to figure out how to make you buy their product. We use these all the time in our lives. Based on this screen right here, if you look on these different screens in front of you or on the, the internet, of course, what corporations am I going to buy from? Home Depot, Starbucks, Academy Sports. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just, I think somebody said, some Husker store. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, conversely, what companies am I not going to buy from in Tallahassee? The flower store. I don't know what some of you said, but I think some of it was inappropriate. We're going to keep going, okay? <laughs> What's interesting is this is done through all of humanity. This is done through all of humanity. We try to understand a person by labeling either the hell into them or the hell out of them, by making them either holy or making them damned in our own mindset. We look at a person and instantaneously you make a judgment about that person based on what they're wearing, based on how they speak, based on any sort of physical things about them, I, 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 you could do that a hundred times over and still not have this issue because you, you have to make a label of a person whether you're going to like them or not. For example, the danger in this is that I buy, actually, if you look at my bank account, a lot of black hair care supplies. That wouldn't be evident based on my first glance at me, right? Moreover, firstly, I listen to a lot of barbershop quartet music which is the widest form of all the musics. <laughs> While I love NU football, I love Nebraska football, I was actually cheering for Florida State to beat Notre Dame. Sorry for picking that scab. But this labeling has been done over and over and over, and it finds its way into the infant church as early as the early 30s. Remember, Jesus is crucified, resurrected around 30 AD, and this is just months after his occurs, where we see that scripture, as Ginger read so well in Acts 10, that they have these, these, these labels saying that certain food is good and certain people are good. Meanwhile, conversely, certain food is bad and therefore certain people are bad. You can't hang out with Gentiles. You can't eat bacon. Isn't that a sad life? Yeah. 
bacon is the holiest of all the foods. And what we see is that Peter is opened up literally a blanket in front of him. And he says, oh, this, my whole world of labeling has just been shattered. We have moments like that in our own lives where people break the mold of what we anticipate in somebody's behavior or their belief all the time. And they're the memorable moments in our life where our world is opened up. And that's what we're going to be focusing the sermon on today. Now, this whole passage covers numerous chapters in the book of Acts. And I would encourage you, if you're going to study a book of the Bible, pick Acts. It's incredible. It's incredible. The infant church is remarkable. And we can still today learn things from that early church period. Selling all their things and holding all things in possession together doing miracles in faith, speaking in tongues. There's so many things, so many things that we can learn from that infant church. And here we see in chapters 9, 10, 11, and then the rest of the book, their whole world is that early church is turned upside down. Outside of a few books, Acts builds upon itself in marvelous ways, and you really have to sit down and read the entirety of the book in one sitting. About once a year, I'll do that. I'll start at Acts 1 and go all the way through. It's remarkable when you do it that way versus just a snippet of verses here and there. Now, the verses we're going to get into in chapter 11, which follows what we heard from the scripture reader, is verses that I struggle with. And so I want to just plainly state that the application and the interpretation is interesting because there are times where I want to over-apply it in my life, and there's times where I wonder if I'm under-applying it in my life. So with that in mind, let's open up Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 1. This is after Peter has his experience. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Let's just pause just for a moment here. Peter's off on a missionary trip to some level, and he didn't know it. He, He is on a trip, and the early church is being persecuted. No one understands what they're about. And this early church is trying to figure out what do they believe. And so Peter's at this house. He sees this vision, this blanket unfolds, and all these animals are on it. And God tells him three times to eat. Eat. Nothing is unclean. And then men show up, and he begins to share the gospel with them. And they hear the message, and they get the Holy Spirit. And that moment of the Holy Spirit coming upon these men is transforming theologically for their entire community. When we see here, the response is that his brothers and sisters who are believers in Jesus immediately judge him for going and eating with uncircumcised men. And you say, well, how do they know they were uncircumcised? I mean, is there like some sort of like thing where the men are like, hey, no, no, no. It's daylight savings. You're tired. You need to be woken up, okay? There is this idea that the circumcision was a sign that you are in God's people. It's an outward sign that you are a part of this covenantal people, when in fact, it was incredibly hard to convert to Judaism back then, just like it is in some ways, it's incredibly hard to convert to Christianity today. There's different signs, there's different normalcies that we put in our place saying you have to do these things to become a Christian. But the judgment and the labeling is already there. Verse four. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill, and eat. 
I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Verse 9, the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. This Old Testament idea that there are certain animals that are clean and good to eat and certain animals that were unclean was mainly just to provide some sort of sanitary measure for a community of people who were slaves in Egypt. It provided a, a kind of an idea that certain foods are good and healthy. Certain foods are not good and not healthy. This is coming from a guy who ate termites. They're not healthy. Actually, they're incredibly full of protein. But they might not be good for me if I eat only that. And what God does is he tears that whole part of the Old Testament and saying it's not applying anymore. But look at the other application. Continuing on, verse 11. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers that also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which all of your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them and came on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God doesn't care based on these verses about those labels we put on ourselves. If we had a persona, it doesn't matter if you like Husker football or FSU football. It doesn't matter if you like barbershop or rap. It doesn't matter what your nationality is, what your language is, how tall or short you are, what color your hair is. None of it matters because the spirit of the Lord comes on the spirit of the Lord chooses. And we see here that the spirit chooses people who are not clean, and because of that, they are made clean. One theologian noted that Peter's actions were like lighting a match in a room filled with flammable gas. The Christians at this point were outliers, but not completely outcasts of the Jews. But based on Peter's actions here, they are now completely separate from Judaism, a religion that prided itself on cleanliness and uncleanliness. And now they saw the idea of bringing in Gentiles, outsiders into their religion, completely transformed how they theologically met with every person. What we find is that good Jewish Christians knew that Jesus reoriented the religion away from the powers that be, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and that all people were able to come into contact with God. Jesus ministered to Samaritans, Occasionally, Jesus would help Gentiles, but they had some sort of loose connection mostly to his working community. What Peter sees as convicted both by the vision and an audible voice is just as there were ceremonially unclean food was now clean. Ceremonially unclean people were now clean. In our world, it's like me hearing a voice and seeing a blanket opened up that it's good and it's actually great to eat gerbils, goldfish, cats, and dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You would be repulsed by me. I mean, I just had two gerbils this morning. 
We'd be aghast at that thought. But the same principle of me coming in and saying that, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring in a group of Al-Qaeda Muslims or communist Russians, depending on how you view those groups, are okay not only to dialogue with, but friends, they're going to spend eternity with us. What? What? We can find salvation to even them, even though culturally they're so different than how we live our lives. What I'm getting to the point of is, this is what I want to get into, this, this image. And, and re, reorient ourselves around this on the screen right now. We've talked about this if you've been here over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And some of you are going to say, oh, again, Pastor Scott. Yes, because this is a theological shift, not only for our church, but most churches are having to redefine who they are and what they are. Let's go first, let's go to the next slide. This is the bounded set. And this actually applies to math. Waiting for the groan. Yeah, math. Oh, I just heard some woo-hoos for math. You're really disoriented by, by, by this daylight savings time. This is what we call a bounded set. Now, the red circle says that there's things that are inside and there are things that are outside. And the math would say that there's an x-axis, whoops, sorry, x-axis and a y-axis. And this bounded set said there's certain numbers that are in the group and certain numbers that are outside the group, both on one axis and the other axis. Does that make sense to everybody? We're almost out of math lane, okay? Go to the next slide. Now, the centered set says that there is a point in the middle in which all other numbers are compared to. And what this brilliant theologians have done is saying that Jesus is this centered set where none of us are Jesus. I'm not Jesus. None of us are to that level of holiness. And we're all either going towards Jesus in relationship to him, or some of us are moving away from Jesus. And yet, is anyone outside of this or labeled as a group that can't be saved by Jesus' love and power? No, the answer is no. Jesus can save all in the centered set. Let's go back one slide. See, in this set, we say the church has a certain group set. There's certain identifiable attributes. There's a persona about this church saying that there's people who we all speak this language. We all say the same creeds or prayers. We all call ourselves, insert denominational name here. Lutherans, Baptists, Anglicans, non-denominationals. Even the title E3 can be an inside, outside set, set. And what I'm asking is to consider, go to the next slide, is to be like this. The danger is in the to upper right picture is that some of us will say, yeah, everybody can find salvation except, you know, those people. Those people have blonde hair. All the blonde hair people, are, what's wrong with me? I just saw a person with blonde hair in the congregation right now, okay? I just, that's all it is. But, but that's joking, Lily, that's playful. People who have blonde hair can find Jesus. But, but think about it this way. We have subgroups where I look at a person and based on any sort of outside attribute, making a squirm a little, any sort of belief that they may hold, oh, any sort of way in which they may live their life somehow makes them not able to find salvation with Jesus Christ. What Jesus does, what Jesus says, is that all are able to find salvation through him. 
We bind people based on so many attributes. An ex-con, no, you can't come into our church. You might be dangerous. You, you did something in your past, so there's no way you can find Jesus. Oh, a person who's transgender, oh, well, no, no. They, they can't come into our church. They can never find Jesus because of their feelings of how they feel. A Democrat, oh, don't get me started on the Democrats. Now I'm gonna rewind one second, play. A Republican, oh, they can never find Jesus. Isn't that funny, but like so uncomfortable too? Question for you. Did Jesus ever limit the power of acceptance to any person he came into contact with? Yes, he did. He, he called out the peoples and the rulers of the day saying, you Sadducees, you Pharisees, you vipers, you, you awful people, because they were the ones who were trying to limit the power and the work of God and the Holy Spirit. Those holy people made these circles and saying, oh, well, if you're a Pharisee, you're in the inner group, so you can find salvation. But if you're a, a common fisherman, no way. And Jesus came around and said, oh, you know, not only common fishermen, I'll take on every single last person. And what's interesting is that the entirety of Scripture follows this. See, Noah, he got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob lied. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer and couldn't talk. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was afraid. Rahab, prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Lucky I'm not going that route today. <laughs> Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ. The disciples, they fell asleep while praying with Jesus. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene, she's demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small, of course. And even Paul was a murderer. And that's not an exhaustive list. There are people in your experience who you would not like to spend eternity with that you will see them the moment you enter into heavenly gates. I know that was mean. I'm sorry, but you need to hear this again. There are people in your experience you would not like to spend eternity with, but you will see them at the heavenly gates. The Savior who welcomes a murderer, the zealot, the common fisherman, the demon-possessed woman, the leper, will surely invite all into a relationship with him and will take care of whatever he doesn't like. It's up to him. Let's stop pretending we are Jesus and let the Spirit show us a vision and bring people we never imagined into our community. Can E3 have that reputation in Tallahassee, Florida? Not as just an emerging church, but as an authentic church that welcomes every single person, asking all of us, the holy of holies and the worst of sinners, to be transformed each and every day more into his image, that centered set. Some of you may have a problem with this. And I invite you to find freedom in finding a church that welcomes you and believes like you. But I'll warn you of two consequences of this. You will not grow. And you will find heaven very uncomfortable. I'm going to have the worship team up. As they're coming up and getting set, I want to ask this flow chart. It will help me and hopefully help you as you 
discern and consider how to authentically and holistically engage people in that relationship with Jesus. Number one, we just have to ask, what is the issue? Is the issue about a salvation type issue? Or is the issue something that that might be a non-essential? Because if it's about the centrality of Jesus, then it is an issue. Jesus is the center of all we revolve around. But if it's any sort of outside label, it's a non-issue usually. So then we have to, number two, discuss it from multiple points of view. Because not one person can say this is a salvific issue or it's a non-salvific issue. That's a very dangerous church to live in. I'm, I'm blessed and excited to have a wise counsel that will stand up and say, no, this is an issue of salvation or no, this is a non-issue. But all of us should be wise in that wise counsel to one another in growth groups, in ways in which you live your lives. Three, if it's a safety concern, it is an issue. Absolutely 100%. We have to make accommodations where if someone comes in who would be a safety concern to another person, we have to think through that strategically. We can't just be flippant and say, and there's, who cares if we're going to be unsafe? No, we have to have safety, of course. And then lastly, is someone making an inclusive or an exclusive circle? Saying this group of people who always sit on the right side or this group of people who always sit on the left side, they're out. No, 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 no. We have to be saying that all can come into that relationship with Christ. The one who makes his table open to all. Do you remember on that night when he was before all of his disciples and they were reclining at the table celebrating the Passover and he dips his hand even into the one who is about to betray him to murder? There is no way to limit Jesus' love and power from any person if he welcomes Judas Iscariot at his table. Just as he welcomed each and every person throughout his life in a relationship with him and offered that relationship. So Jesus offers himself to you as we transition out of the Lord's Supper. Here at Element 3, we have an open table. That doesn't matter if you are a member of this church, an owner of this church, or of any church. But just confess that Jesus is Lord and you are welcome at this table. In a moment, we'll ask you to come up as you feel led. Come and then return to your seats. Hold both the bread and the cup so we can take them together. If you're online right now, we invite you to gather your uh, whatever you're using, whether it's diet soda or coffee or water or grape juice. We invite you now to get those elements prepared. We do use gluten-free bread at every station, and there is no limits to any part of you of coming up and receiving this gift that God has given. Once you receive them, we'll go through the liturgical of it, but I wanna pray over the elements right now as we transition. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Thank you for this time we spend together being convicted and even made uncomfortable in how we view other people. Lord, as we enter into a new season, element three, I pray and ask that you would convict those of us who have an image of a person in our brain that need to be called out and know that they need to minister to a certain person they see in their head right now. For those that may have been hurt in prior relationships, being told they're not welcome at a church for any reason, whether theologically, whether about who they are on the outside or how they live their life, Lord, I pray that they would find refuge, acceptance, and transformation at a church like we have right here, right now. And lastly, Lord, I pray that they would 
come right now and receive you inside of them. By the power of your Holy Spirit, use these elements, not as just symbols, but as real transformational tools in having you reside inside and showing that in this centered set model, you are already there. By the power of your spirit, we pray your blessing upon these elements and hands which take them, and we say together, amen. The table is open. Come as you feel called.